welcome back to Lucid. It's a podcast in which two dreamers tell you about dreams and listen to yours so your friends don't have to. I'm Micah Sargent, and I'm joined here in Big Dream City with my co-host, Tori Folk. <laughs> How goes it? <laughs> it's great. I'm a little delirious uh, because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night due to something I consumed, hmm. which is what we're going to be talking about today. That is quite possibly the most elegant segue that I've ever heard on a podcast. <laughs> Here's a secret. I wrote that beforehand. Oh. <laughs> what we're going to be talking about this week is uh, things that you consume that um, affect your sleep patterns and disrupt them specifically. They don't do good things. They do bad things. <laughs> um, um, predominantly, we're going to be talking about caffeine and we're going to be talking about alcohol. Um, and then we'll also pepper in a few extras toward the end. Wait, is, is pepper a sleep disruptor? <laughs> Because I love black pepper, Tori. Don't say it. Um, Actually, spicy foods are. Oh, crap. But we'll get into that later. So first, we are going to discuss how caffeine disrupts your sleep. And since Micah is our resident caffeine aficionado, <laughs> he's going to take this one. So why don't you tell us a little bit about caffeine? For sure. So I... I love talking about how caffeine affects the brain, but I learned some new things uh, today. And one of those is somehow I never knew that caffeine had a different name, and that is trimethylxanthin. And if that doesn't sound like the Whoa. most terrifying thing, trimethylxanthin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in its pure form, it is this white bitter powder called trimethylxanthin. That's the only way you can say that, by the way. That's <laughs> yeah, the no, you have to say it. Like <laughs> um, but but caffeine is obviously one of the most popular drugs that exists. Most people don't really think of it as a drug, but it is indeed a drug right. uh, and one that you can actually become dependent on. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about sort of how caffeine affects your brain in general and how it affects sleep. Um, yes, please. Caffeine is all about adenosine. Uh, this is a byproduct of how your, your nervous system works. So as your brain cells are sort of going throughout the day and doing the things that they do, uh, they produce adenosine. And our brain has these things called adenosine receptors. Uh, basically, they are looking around for adenosine <laughs> and your brain uses this as a sort of level of how much work have I done today? And like, can I get a break, please? Oh, so interesting. when you get a lot of adenosine in your, in your brain and your brain, those receptors are sort of, you know, holding on to that adenosine, your brain goes, wow, you know, it's, it's time to chill out. And your brain literally starts to chill out. Your nerve cells will slow down within your brain. And on top of that, I thought this was fascinating. Your brain's blood vessels dilate and the assumption there, the thought there is that it's actually your brain sort of getting more breathing time in while you're asleep. In other words, <laughs> taking in more oxygen while you're sleeping, which helps repair cells and things like that. Right. Um, now, here's how caffeine comes in and fucks everything up. <laughs> if caffeine was anything, it is the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You, whenever you said, here's how caffeine comes in and fucks everything up, you had the most evil grin on your face because <laughs> it's so it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing i hate to use that cliche but it works so well because right. caffeine looks so much like adenosine that those adenosine receptors i talked about earlier uh -huh. the caffeine binds to those receptors right oh, shit. and when it does not only is it clogging up the pipes in the sense that your brain can't sense any adenosine but think about it 
you're going along and you start to feel sluggish. That's because uh, adenosine is starting to build up in your brain. And normally this is this would be whenever you would slow down, you'd start to get sleepy, you'd eventually take a nap or go to bed. Well, mm-hmm. with caffeine coming in there and taking up those receptors, your brain starts to see the adenosine levels lowering. And then suddenly, you know, it's not sensing any more adenosine because again, the caffeine's in there clogging things. And so your brain goes, holy cow. It's sort of like that employee who overworks themselves thinking they've never done enough. Your brain's like, oh, I guess I should really get back to, I I shouldn't go home and see my husband and kids. I should get right back to work. (laughs) And so your brain does, it starts to speed up in, remember I said that if adenosine binds to the receptors, your brain cells start to slow down. Well, this does the opposite. It causes neurons in the brain to fire at an increased rate. And so on top of reducing the amount of adenosine that your brain can perceive, which has its own set of sleepiness effects, because mm-hmm. it's firing up those those uh, neurons, your pituitary gland gets involved like, yo brain, what's going on up there? Is this a bad time? And your brain's like, well, there's no adenosine and the my neurons are firing, so there must be something going on. Right. And so then your pituitary gland starts producing adrenaline. Oh, wow. Caffeine is like seeing a small spider or a small snake <laughs> if, if you're afraid of spiders and snakes. Like you get a, a little. Small, a very small snake. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a little, it's a little guy. So, you know, you get a little boost of, of adrenaline. Oh. And then at the same time, your sleepiness sort of goes away. One of the things that you should know about caffeine is that it gets into the body super, super, super quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know, the, the cool people at the front of the nightclub who just go right <laughs> through their velvet rope. They're but, like, oh, caffeine, you're mm, here. Ooh, go caffeine. right in. Oh, you're on the list. But here's the thing. The only way that you get to be at the, the at the top of the list, the cool people at the party, is if you stay the whole time. And that is oh, exactly <laughs> that's exactly what caffeine does. So it quickly gets in, but its half-life is about six hours. So what is what is half-life? Well, if you're the average American, you take in 300 milligrams of caffeine. A whole six hours later, there's still 150 milligrams of caffeine in your system that's still blocking adenosine, that's still uh, increasing dopamine, that's still increasing adrenaline in your system. And that's why we talk about how you shouldn't have caffeine after a certain hour, because if you're going to be <laughs> going to sleep six hours later, guess what? That adenosine is still going to be there. And if it's not attaching properly where it needs to because the caffeine is blocking it, then you never leave stages in one and in two. So stage one and stage two of sleep. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. You never fall into stage three of sleep or REM sleep. You get stuck in in one and in two until finally your your body sort of dissolves those things. Now, a, a positive thing, people talk about coffee naps. You intake caffeine in some form, in this case coffee, uh, about 30 minutes before you wake up from a nap. So let me, like, you, you drink a cup of coffee, you go to sleep for 30 minutes, you wake up. Well, there's some obvious science backing to that. It takes 30 right. to 45 minutes to get into your system. So not only while you're sleeping, is your brain getting a little bit of time to deal with some of that adenosine and repair itself and do all that stuff. But then mm-hmm. as you're sort of coming out of uh, your 30 minute nap, the caffeine starts to bind to those adenosine receptors and it's going to make it so that you feel even more awake. A a couple fun facts. One is that people who take birth control pills and people that are between ovulation and the beginning of menstruation, Mm -hmm. it takes 
twice as long to process caffeine. Whoa, I had no idea about that. As someone who ovulates, I had no clue that that was something that happened. Wow. And then interestingly, on the flip side, people who are regular smokers, it only takes about half as long for their bodies to process caffeine. And then the last thing that I want to touch on before I go into sort of what you can do to combat this, you, you probably heard about coffee enemas, eh? I've... I've, I, I hear tell of coffee enemas, <laughs> but that's about as far as I'll go. I, I haven't researched any further than that, but I'm really happy you have for me. Thank a, a you. A bard came up to me one day playing a tale of coffee enemas. That's exactly, that's exactly how I heard about it, actually. <laughs> well, it turns out that rectal absor- absorption of caffeine is way less efficient an absorption method of caffeine hmm. than oral absorption. <laughs> so, folks... If you have a choice between rectally consuming caffeine or orally consuming caffeine, just think about how much you want it to sort of get into your system. And if it's more, then you go for the oral. And if it's less, then you go for the rectal. So what you're saying is, uh, I have a heart condition, so I should start rectally absorbing my coffee. That is exactly what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I will go ahead and forward you the uh, fine print document about that. Please, the, in- the instruction manual uh, for coffee enemas. I know that you have oh, it. Don't lie to right me. Right next to the instruction instruction manual for ice cream facials. So what what do you do uh, to sort of avoid caffeine affecting your sleep, keeping you from getting into N3 and REM? What do you do? What do you do? (laughs) Well, friends, I'm sorry that I don't have a magical answer. You can't hop on one leg and pray to the goat god of caffeine. But if you don't consume caffeine after about 4 p.m. or whatever level it is based on how your body consumes coffee, or I mean mm-hmm. caffeine, I keep saying coffee because that's my form of caffeine intake. <laughs> <laughs> your bias is showing. It's okay though. Where? <laughs> Just keep in mind that the half-life of caffeine is about six hours. And that way you know sort of, well, if I drink a cup of coffee at 9 a.m., then where are we 12 hours later? That's when the coffee, there we go again. That's when the caffeine (laughs) is out of your system. Gotcha. Let's go ahead and move on, Tori. I think you're about to disappoint a lot of people. And so I'm glad you're covering this and not me. Tell me what's wrong with me drinking wine or uh, uh, a nice two-finger pour of of bourbon before Mm. I go to bed. I live to disappoint. (laughs) As it turns out, contrary to popular belief, uh, alcohol isn't good for helping you get to sleep. And lots of people, uh, about 20% of people, according to the Sleep Foundation, actually rely on alcohol to help them get to sleep, thinking, okay, this helps me sleep. Obviously, I pass out. So it's good for sleeping. No, wrong. Um, (laughs) No, you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Let's go through the process of what happens when you consume alcohol, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Especially right before bed. When you start drinking, alcohol floods your brain with those endorphins that we love so much. Mm, Um, Feeling good. Yeah, they're the they're those liquid courage chemicals that make you want to go up to somebody and tell them all the nice things, um, like how their T-shirt is cool, which is something that I personally have done. <laughs> I I love that idea. Like, let me chug this beer, and then I can tell that person that their shirt is awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you become less inhibited, and you feel really, really good, which makes you feel 
relaxed, right? Because you're like, I feel great. Everything is great. I'm loving life. (laughs) This is great. And then after that, uh, the alcohol begins to work as a sedative. So uh, a little while after you start drinking, you start to feel a little bit drowsy, right? Unless you keep drinking, which (laughs) some people choose to do. But um, me, I'm the person that's tired after literally one drink. I start to feel sleepy, you know, like a half hour later or whatever. I always think of that episode of uh, Bob's Burgers where they're camping and Linda looks in on the kids in the tent and they're asleep and she's like, wow, it's it's wild how they can just go to sleep sober like that. (laughs) (laughs) And you would think – I mean it makes sense that people think that it does help you sleep because it helps you fall asleep. (sighs) Because it's technically a depressant, right? Which is the opposite of caffeine. But it makes your sleep worse overall, which obviously will affect your waking life and your health and how alert you feel and all sorts of other things that is required. So beyond just what alcohol already does to your precious bod, it uh, <laughs> also fucks up your your sleep schedule. So um, it does the opposite of what caffeine does. So instead of keeping you in those first two stages, it actually kind of holds you hostage in the third stage. What? Which, again, you think would be a good thing. Nope. Alcohol is known to increase those delta waves, so the slow wave sleep that we get into in the yeah, third stage. Yeah, yeah. Um. But at the same time, it tosses alpha waves in there into your stage three sleep as well. Um, and they belong in deep relaxation, maybe stage one. Um, oh, wow. So it's throwing in one waves into your in three sleep. Yes. So you're experiencing delta and alpha waves at the same time, which that's why whenever you're in stage three after you drink alcohol, it still inhibits the restorative properties of stage three. So you'd think, oh, I'm in stage three for a long time. That's the most restorative state. That's the um, stasis stage. Yeah. But it takes away all of the good shit about that stage. You got a crack in your stasis pod and it's called alcohol. <laughs> exactly. So what ends up happening is in the first half of the night, you're sleeping really heavily. You're in this stage three, but it's still not restorative stage three. Um, so it's not great sleep to begin with, even though it feels like that really heavy, like I slept like a rock type sleep. And then in the second half of the night, as the alcohol sort of metabolizes through your system and it starts sort of dissipating, that drunkenness, um, the effects of it wear off and your sleep will actually be more disturbed and restless than usual in that second half of the night, which the second half of the night is usually when we get the really good sleep because we spend more time in the deeper stages and in REM. And speaking of REM, if you drink a lot, so this isn't like a two finger, uh, you know, two fingers of whiskey. It's um, if you are partying hardcore uh, and, you know, you chug two bottles of that really cheap pink champagne that I love so much while watching Silent Hill. (laughs) Speaking from experience there? Yes. Okay, good, good. It blocks your REM sleep. You get way less REM than you normally would, which is bad because even though scientists disagree on why exactly we need REM, we do know that we need it because our body protects it, right? Like we talked about in the last episode. REM rebound. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And a lack of REM can have a detrimental effect on your concentration and motor skills during the day. So you like remain drunk, kind of. (laughs) If it's affecting your motor skills, like, I'm still drunk. No, you just didn't get your REM sleep. You're more just exhausted. But yeah, it disrupts REM. Um, It's keeping you in this weird stage three prison where nothing good is actually happening. Um, So it's like the worst prison. You're in stage (laughs) three prison. What that 
means is, like in caffeine, you're not completing all of the stages of sleep like you should. So no matter – it doesn't matter that you are in this deep stage of sleep. It's still bad because you need to go through the whole cycle to really get um, a healthy healthy night's sleep in. So you wake up feeling really groggy. You wake up feeling really fuzzy. Um and some people actually also experience what's called the rebound effect. We're bringing back the rebound. There's re- people rebounding. Rebound and the rebound. <laughs> when you drink, your brain produces that adenosine, right? That makes you drowsy, makes you feel like, okay, I'm... Can I ask you, does that... So it's producing more adenosine then because you're drinking? Yes. On top of what you already produced just by by the day going... Exactly. Interesting. So Whoa. more adenosine rather than... is Again, it's sort of like the... Uh, the evil twin. It's like nega caffeine, yes! but it's still very bad. That is what triggers that early onset of drowsiness and sleepiness whenever you're drinking. Um, but as your liver starts to, like I said, metabolize and the alcohol begins to leave your system, for some people that wave recedes like really quickly, um, depending like you had stated earlier on how they're, they personally uh, metabolize things, meaning that they'll wake up really early in the morning uh, at like three or four in the morning and be wide awake and have a ton of trouble getting. That happens to, sleep. to me every time. It makes so much sense. Well, there you go. Your quick metabolism is to blame. Another way that it messes up your sleep is that because you are trapped in stage three your chance of sleepwalking is increased because stage three is where all those parasomnias occur. Especially if you are predisposed to sleepwalking, drinking may actually trigger that a little bit more because you are going to be in that realm pretty much the entire time that you are actually sleeping, quote unquote, well. You will be prone to sleepwalking because you're in stage three for so long. And sometimes people who don't normally sleepwalk will also sleepwalk this is when they do it, you know, um, if they don't normally have that experience, that parasomnia. Um, and so all of this mucking up of all of your sleep architecture, <laughs> it messes up your whole circadian rhythm. So your internal clock that keeps you in tune with the 24-hour day, it sends you signals when you're supposed to be awake. Um, it sends you those signals that make you feel like, okay – It's time to stop being productive. It's time for me to sleep. Because it's interrupting your sleep cycle, it interrupts the flow of that circadian rhythm as well. So basically, we all know this already, but bad sleep ruins your waking life. And when you drink, your brain is firing off all the wrong cues to your body. All the wrong cues. Exactly. And just on top of the like neurological effects of alcohol, um, it makes you really physically uncomfortable while you sleep. Um, because one, it's a diuretic, as I annoyingly say every single time I get up to pee whenever I'm drinking. Did you know alcohol is a diuretic? Yes, Tori, and we knew it the last 12 times too. Exactly. I was meant to talk about this on the podcast. Um, and this happens because alcohol suppresses the hormone ADH or antidiuretic hormone, which regulates the amount of water that's absorbed by your kidneys. So when ADH is low, instead of storing water, the kidneys just sort of dump it all into the bladder, um, which makes you want to pee uh, a lot. (laughs) And under normal circumstances, your body can sort of tell your bladder, like, shut up, 
when you're sleeping um, so that it doesn't wake you up. But whenever you've been drinking, uh, the diuretic basically gives you the overwhelming urge to pee and it'll wake you up out of sleep whenever you would normally be sleeping really soundly. Alcohol also makes you really, really sweaty. Your body is getting a bit overheated and so it jumps into action making you sweat to maintain a normal body temperature. Um, but that results in the really disgusting night sweats that <laughs> you wake up out of and want to immediately take a shower and remove all of your clothes. And it also affects your breathing because alcohol is a muscle relaxant, so it can cause your throat and airway muscles to relax too much, causing things like snoring, um, disrupted breathing, basically sleep apnea symptoms. And if you do already have sleep apnea, it worsens those symptoms. Oh, dear. And if you drink carbonated alcohol like champagne or beer um, or Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, which that's not an ad. It's just my favorite beer. Um, <laughs> you may experience lots of like bloating and gas and stomach upset, which will also wake you up. Alcohol contains sugar, which is bad for sleep and causes lots of restlessness. So basically, like, all around, it's making the worst possible environment for you to sleep in. <laughs> While it may feel like, hey, if I just uh, – my my grandma Pat always – I know I talked about her in the last podcast too, She's but a it's weird. Here. She it's keeps good. coming up. Um she will take a shot of wild Irish rose sometimes before bed um, to help her sleep. But really – not necessarily something that you should do. People will talk about, oh, I'm just going to have a glass of wine before bed to sort of help relax mm -hmm. me or whatever. And it does. It relaxes you and it helps you fall asleep, but it doesn't sustain a good night's sleep. So if you are a midnight wine drinker. What up? <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I feel like both of us are guilty of that sometimes. Um, it'll actually mess up your sleep hygiene instead of affecting it in any sort of positive way. Did you want to add in a few more things that do affect your sleep poorly? Yeah, a, cu a couple honorable mentions before we move on to the dream interpretation portion of the show. Uh, I wanted to talk about nicotine. Most people know that, that nicotine is a stimulant, but I don't think everybody puts two and two together in terms of how right. it would affect your sleep. Uh, it's a central nervous system stimulant. Smokers, it takes longer for them to fall asleep. They sleep less. And just like caffeine... They can get a lot of N1 and N2, but studies show that they don't get a lot of N3 and REM sleep because of right. the nicotine working in much the same way that caffeine would. Another thing with nicotine, the discomfort of addiction can wake you up out of sleep. So you could be fast asleep wow, yeah. and then, you know, your body needs that nicotine and that it's like, can- like, hey, wake up. We need to smoke right now. Yeah. It's exactly like how alcohol works on the bladder to wake you up and do all that stuff. Like this is, this is just the addiction itself. Um, and then lastly, with nicotine, there are problems with respiratory issues. And so snoring and sleep apnea are common in smokers. And of course, as you just mentioned, those two things can affect your sleep. And the only other honorable mention that I have is a quick one. And it's it's sort of an honorable mention, but really it's more to discount it. Um, chocolate does have caffeine in it. People will mm -hmm. eat cocoa beans uh, to, <laughs> to get a hit of caffeine. But by right. the time cocoa 
beans get turned in by the time cocoa gets turned into chocolate there's so mm-hmm. little of the original uh full substance and therefore so much less caffeine in it that you'd have to eat like six chocolate bars to equal like a half a cup of coffee or something cool um i also wanted to just throw in a few things uh food wise spicy foods bad for you whenever you sleep they cause heartburn especially with people who have underlying conditions that are really common, like acid reflux. Um, fatty foods are bad because they are difficult to digest. So it'll give you sort of that gross stomach feeling, making it harder to relax. And obviously sugary foods, if you, you know, really, really pound the candy before bed. Um, <laughs> Down in some pixie sticks. Yeah, it's not the best thing to do. It can increase your heart rate and all of that good stuff. I was also really curious about how consuming marijuana affects your sleeping patterns Mm -hmm. because it's being legalized in a lot of places – well, a few places in the United States right now and people are pushing to have it legalized um, nationwide. Um, There's an increasing interest in how it affects your health and well-being, um, which there should be. I mean there should have always been. People have been really reluctant to study marijuana for a really long time because of its illegality, which I think is silly. But um, I looked into it and it's kind of up in the air. Right? Because again, we haven't done a lot of studies yeah. on this kind of thing. You can't do official studies if the thing is illegal. Like it's, yeah, it's <laughs> right. Tough. Um, it, it, of course, it, it sedates you. Uh, and some evidence actually shows in the small amount of evidence that we do have to pull from that it could be a healthy alternative to sleeping pills mm. like Ambien, mm. um, and Lunesta and those things because it is less addictive. It's more effective long term. And it provides pain relief. So you are super relaxed and it's not like alcohol in the way that it you process it through your system. So it could actually give you a solution to getting more. It helps you fall asleep and it helps you once you're asleep, whereas alcohol just helps you fall asleep, right? <laughs> exactly. Thank you very, very much. Outside of that, it's still – the area of study is still like – in its infancy, um, and it's clouded by misinformation right. and mixed interpretations. So I just wanted to toss that in there in case anybody's curious. I heard if you smoke weed before you go to sleep, you'll wake up pregnant. Is that true? <laughs> no, oh. no. I'm proud to tell you that no, that's not <laughs> true. Um, and I just wanted to say for the record, I'm on weed's side in this. <laughs> I feel like it should be studied. I feel like yeah, if it is know. a healthier solution for people, then they have a right to know about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to do some dream interpretation. Yes. We have two dreams we're going to interpret this week, and I'm really pumped. Um, (laughs) The first one comes to us from listener Russell. Awesome. He sent in an audio dream. By the way, if you would like to have your your in-dream, no, if you would like to have your dream interpreted on the show, uh, you can send us an audio file to dreams at lucid.show. Um, most apps have a voice recorder of some sort. So just uh, pop open voice memos on iOS or use one of the voice recorders that comes with uh, different Android phones and uh, send in your dream that way. Or you can go to lucid.show and there is a link at the top that says dreams to a form where you can you know, type in your dream and let us know about it. So here is the dream from listener Russell. Hey, Micah and Tori. I'm, I'm really excited about your new show and I'm actually really excited to, to send this dream in to you. What, what I don't know is if I'm meant to be whispering. Do we, do we whisper when we talk about dreams? I don't, I don't really know. I might just go with my normal voice, but so I have this reoccurring dream and it's been happening to me probably since about the age of, um, 18 or 19. So I'll see if I can try and describe it to you. So this dream happens in lots of different locations. Like the location is never fixed, but 
the things that are always fixed is I'm sitting in a car and I'm reversing. And the important thing about this reversing is it, it's a perfectly normal reversing thing. I'm reversing out of a driveway or reversing out of a car park. There's lots of room. There's no obstacles. Like often the distance is always some kind of pole or car or truck or something like that. But there's, there's tons of room, right? So I'm reversing at a normal speed, um, in, in this dream. And then I think, okay, I've reversed enough. I need to go forward now. I press the brakes. And the car stops, but it stops extremely slowly. So it's stopping so slowly that it's it's like this slow motion sort of collision is about to happen. And I, I can feel it in the dream. I'm like, there's a car off in the distance. And if this car doesn't stop, I'm going to end up hitting it. And it's every single time I've had this dream, it's always the same way. It's always the the really slow um, sort of braking. And it's, it's obvious to me that, you know, I'm going to hit whatever is in the distance, even though it is really far away and I should be able to avoid it. And... I I don't know. I always wake up before I end up, you know, having the collision. But every every single time that that dream is fixed, and I really don't know what it means. Like it's it's always in reverse. It's never going forward. It's always the brakes kind of work, but they don't. And it's always that this inevitable collision is going to happen. But it's off in the distance, and it feels like it shouldn't. Does this does this make any sense? I'm really looking forward to you know <laughs> you guys solving this problem for me. And I, I mean, my life's going to be enriched, right? If you can give me the answers to this dream, um, and I can decode my future, then you know we can all dream happily ever after. I'm going with that phrase. Thanks, you two. <laughs> <laughs> we can all dream happily ever after. I love it, Russell. Yes. There's one possibility that I want to throw out there, and I'm curious to hear your take on this. And okay. uh, then we can we can go for a more deep interpretation. But I <laughs> I'm slightly convinced that somehow he's been able to like access his body's firmware while he's asleep, <laughs> and this is a representation of his. <laughs> this is a representation of the time that he has until he needs to wake up and use the restroom. <laughs> So, so <laughs> oh my god until the collision happens yes yes the collision is like being the bed and you don't want to get oh to that stage god. like you need to just be able to get up and go use the restroom and so his his firmware is like oh boy uh this isn't great and then mm-hmm. it's like almost i don't know let's say russell wakes up at 6 a.m it's like 5 30 a.m that's whenever he gets to the end of the driveway and he starts like hitting the brake because it's almost <laughs> 6 a.m and that's when he has to get up and use the restroom <laughs> But the collision is inevitable, and so he has to wake up before he pees the bed. Well, he did say he always wakes up before the collision happens, mm-hmm. right? So he sees all of that urine in his rear view and is like, oh, my God. <laughs> the urine in the rear view. I mean, honestly, that's a really good theory. I didn't even think of that whenever I was listening to it. But you know what? He may be one of those humans that supposedly I, – I know that this is a myth, and I know it's scientifically incorrect. Please don't – nobody yell at me. <laughs> no emails. He can – he can yeah no emails please don't at me he can access more of his brain than the normal human it's like his superpower is being able to wake up before he has to pee because of these uh prophetic dreams it's so that sad that it, with all that access this is the one superpower that he's developed <laughs> i don't know i think it's it's great i mean it's keeping him from pissing the best supposedly right there you go um also i wanted to say that when i was listening to this i was sitting here scratching my head because i'm like oh i'm impervious to the horrors of driving because i don't know (laughs) i don't do it i don't know what it's like um but also in that same way i'm extra susceptible to this sort of horrifying dream because it's like oh god i don't even know what i would do in that situation i barely know how to work a fucking car what i was thinking was a little bit more like (laughs) being in a car in a dream 
and this is a holdover from my dream dictionary days, so please bear with me, um, is sort of like, to me, a representation of your your life's path, mm-hmm. right? You're traveling down the road of life. In Russell's case, he's uh, backing out of the driveway of life. But um, <laughs> like, <laughs> if the car is the vehicle that you're using to sort of travel your life's path, then perhaps there is something whenever I think of like seeing something in the rearview mirror it's like something's popping up and reminding you like hey hey I'm here and he's backing up but then he can't stop and he's going to collide with this thing that's behind him so it's kind of making me feel like maybe there's something about Russell's past that he needs to access before he can continue (gasps) on his life's journey oh my gosh maybe Okay. Okay. I like this. I like this. So, so, okay. He's, he's in the driveway of life. He's, he is like, he's attempting to back up, but then he, and so that's the interesting thing is like, he's wanting to back up, but then he starts breaking after a period of time. So mm-hmm. like he, he's, he's backing out of the driveway of life, but then he wants to go back into the driveway of life. And at the point where he might keep rolling out onto the street that's whenever he starts hitting the brakes. And so it's like, there's like a level of backsliding there, like a fear of backsliding almost. Oh, you could be correct. He's sort of like seizing up at the thought of, uh, yeah, of, of perhaps like negating some sort of progress that he's made or something like that. Yeah. So what is this, uh, this vehicle or the, this sort of ominous thing that exists? Because it, you know, if we if we go with the driveway of life theory, then this in and of itself could be the dream. But there's the fact that a collision might happen. So is it that he does have? Ooh, I think Russell might have like a secret buried deep in his past. <gasps> Russell. Oh my gosh, maybe secrets don't make friends. Russell. Maybe he's a spy, and the, like he's just trying to live a normal life now. Doesn't want to get blacklisted by the CIA. Uh, even though that was mm. not an American accent that we heard. Uh, no. <laughs> MI5? I don't know. Is that what they have? Sure. It's something Let's go like with that. MI5. So MI5 is sitting outside of his driveway of life, trying to remind, like, there's probably, there, he probably has a code word that activates him. And I hope we didn't say it. <laughs> no, he's a sleeper. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so he's trying to, like, get away from that. He hits the brakes, but he's still rolling back. It's It's sort of like a reminder, like, you can't. You can't escape. You can't escape your past, Russell. You got to accept it. Well, see, whenever you said secret, what I immediately thought was like, he's like really, really into Hansen or like <laughs> Rammstein or something. I was like, okay, a shameful secret. <laughs> um, and I immediately went to my shameful secrets, which is mostly, but you should, you should, maybe this is telling him it, it, if he's secret, if he secretly loves something, then he should unabashedly let it collide into his body. Let's do it. Unabashedly accept that shameful, <laughs> shameful thing that you love. But you're going to get like your car might be totaled in the process. Your body, your dream car might be total to the process of accepting. Maybe that's good. Whenever you talk like about tarot and things like that, there are, you know, ominous cards like death and like the tower, which is on fire and it's crumbling. But what that usually means is you're dismantling systems that need to be dismantled in order for positive change to take place. Holy crow. Okay. So let's, okay, let's think of it like this. Uh, Again, driveway of life. We're backing out of the driveway of life. 
And there's this outside agent that wants to bring change in Russell's life. But Russell is resistant to that change. Russell, you're resisting change. You cannot push down on the brakes, my brother. Someone came along and snipped your brakes and they're trying to help you get progress in your life. And you're still hitting those brakes. You, 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 you're supposed to, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to take the, the next jump, take the next leap and, you know, pressing the brakes is is not going to stop you because, again, your brakes have been snipped. So right. it's sort of like just let go and let whatever you happen to believe in. <laughs> <laughs> let go and let go God of coffee. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I don't know if uh, Russell is capable of lucid dreaming, but if he is, I would say – uh, or try or try it. Try, try it. it out. I hear there's like sleep masks that you can use to lucid dream. <laughs> yeah, a, the lucid dreaming helmet. Maybe he should invest in that on Kickstarter. And then whenever he gets it, like six years from now, he could uh, put it on and <laughs> just full speed backwards collide <gasps> into the obstacle. And then maybe it. it would open this new like psychic plane for him. Oh, my! I love the idea of like trying a bunch of different things here. Russell, you could you could do the one where you pull out really quickly and collide, or you could just get out of the car. Oh, there you go. That that could be another thing. Like we let you don't. It's a reminder that like even in things in situations where there's backsliding, where there is you know a, a lack of progress, or you feel like you're almost like a sinking ship. Maybe you don't necessarily have to be a part of whatever that is. And oh, if you would just get point. out of the car, like that's you taking control of yourself and saying, you know what? This is not my responsibility now. Although the insurance company might, the dream insurance company might disagree. <laughs> they might. They might it's like disagree. Dreamco, Geico in Dreams, Dreamco. I don't know. That's good. That's good enough sure, for me. Sure, sure. Dreamco. <laughs> uh, the, your other option, Russell, again, if it's not just your firmware's P meter or uh, hmm. the the sleep god of coffee trying to tell you something is just dream up a jiffy loop and go get your brakes fixed. <laughs> That's true. You, okay, so basically what's happened here is we've given you lots of really good ideas. So I would say we've done our job. <laughs> done our job I, very I think, well, Tori, I think. <laughs> yeah, we're good at – we're really good at this. And I think that the rest of this is on Russell. I think that he needs to assess. <laughs> the ball is back in his court. It is. And, um, you know, I hope that we have hin- enlightened him so that he can dream happily ever after. Dream, dream happily ever after, Russell. Good luck whether you decide to get out of the car or, you know, go to the restroom before you go to bed. <laughs> Or go get your brakes fixed. One of those things. Yes. It'll certainly help you, I'm sure. Yes. Get back with us, actually, also, if any of those things happen. I would love to hear how this turns out. <laughs> Good luck with the lucid dreaming. Okay, Tori, why don't you tell us uh, or read this uh, next stream to us? This came in uh, from, from listener Joey, and it came in to our email. Yes. Okay, I would love to. So Joey says, hey, Tori and Micah. I love the show, and I wanted to see if you could decipher the dream that I had that's been sticking with me for the past couple days. In the dream, I'm in my apartment with my roommate. It's similar, but the composition of the space is just slightly changed, and the door is open to a totally different landscape than I usually live in, of a large parking lot and a forest and mountains in the distance. The time of day is mid-afternoon with this intense orange-yellow light. There is an enormous dark storm behind the mountains. I'm standing in the middle of the room and looking at my phone, texting someone while my roommate is getting ready because we're about to leave. But I notice a snake on the floor. (gasps) It's green and red and shimmery like a pearlescent coat of nail polish. 
I chase it as it begins to slither into a half-open drawer in the kitchen, and I immediately kick the drawer violently closed, and I see the part of the snake that's out of the drawer get cut off. Ooh, God. What color is its blood? <laughs> yeah. I I notice the snake's head is quickly crawling out of the apartment on the floor. Oh, oh, God. Crawling sounds but like I it feel- grew arms or something. <laughs> Uh, But I feel frozen, and I just watch the snake's head crawl away out of the corner of my eye, doing nothing about it. And then the dream ends. And then he says, again, I love the show. Keep it up, and thank you. Well, thank you, listener Joey. My, oh, my. Thanks for ruining my whole night with this horrible image. But where do I get a cool dream snake, though? Because this is green and red and shivery, like, pearlescent coat of nail. Like, no, none of my snakes, none of my dream snakes are that cool. I know, well, shh. My familiars are like the fruit flies that like die in my glass of water <laughs> in the summer. So like having a beautiful pearlescent dream snake sounds like a for sure up until it starts Maybe crawling. You shouldn't kill it. Yeah. Okay. That part. But yeah. Uh, okay. We gotta. So I mean, there, there's, there's obviously a lot to break into here, and I want to start with um, what's going on outside of the room. So uh, he's. There, there's a sense of of comfort, which is this this place where he exists in the apartment with his roommate in this right. sort of uh, uh, knowable known zone. But you open <laughs> the known, the known zone. zone is what we'll call that. Uh, <laughs> it's better than the twilight zone. It's the known zone. Outside <laughs> of the known zone is the twilight zone, the unknown zone, which is right. the this parking lot inexplicably. Um, that just doesn't seem to fit with the forest and then the mountains in the background. Yeah, and we no. we we have to talk about the the. There's a storm brewing behind those mountains, right? Yes. So I'm in my comfort zone, the known zone, and outside I see this wide expanse of of stuff that I don't know. These these unknowns in my life, be them right. sort of uh, tied to to work or or sort of like industrial i can see the parking lot being this sort of like uh everyday life like having to go to work and driving in you know driving on the road and all these things sort of we humans who have settled the world have had to do and then the forest which could represent sort of you know nature of course in its own sense but also just sort of the the more relaxed the more the more uh natural really is the best way to put it you know thinking about sort of um things that we used to do like like hunting and gathering but not 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 exactly that it's it's more just like our our more base instincts that we've sort of given up to focus on these these things like the parking lot and then lastly behind that is the mountains this challenge this this difficulty so all these things that exist out here that maybe you know you don't feel comfortable being part of uh, that, right. that, that, that scare you. I mean, the door opens up and you see this stuff and it's, it's intense and there's a storm brewing and maybe you're worried about, uh, sort of taking this challenge and stepping out, but I'm having trouble figuring out how a snake fits into it. Tori, can you help me with that? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I wanted to say that it was interesting what you said about the parking lot because that stuck out to me too because it was like, okay, you obviously in this dream world live in this lush, beautiful, natural place, um, but that parking lot is also there, which is very strange. And how you sort of interpret it as something that is – anxiety inducing to venture out past that parking lot i was sort of thinking like maybe that parking lot is like blocking things off oh right so your work life your uh you know 
the all the institutions you're a part of are keeping you from this natural world that maybe is intriguing oh. instead of scary and then a part of that world this impossibly beautiful and unknown part of that world this pearlescent you know magical snake enters your comfort zone or you know this um the your your normal like the the patterns that you normally operate in it comes in and it interrupts those patterns and it confronts you directly oh my with this god and instead of accepting it like you talked about like where do i get a beautiful iridescent dream snake you uh you killed it right you rejected it and so then it escapes back out into that wilderness and you've missed that opportunity to commune with this incredible place beyond your normal scope of activities right yes yes okay i love this i love this so <laughs> just like go yes your your interpretation is perfect uh let's talk about it a little bit more because we've got again this I love the idea of the parking lot being sort of this barrier that represents the institution as, as we talked about. Uh, and this forest and the mountains, these, these things that you, you know, would want to be a part of this exciting and more, again, natural sort of pulled away from the institution. And I think the storm clouds then could represent the fear of that. That's still a scary thing yeah, to give it up is, on, it is, on the day to day and to step outside of your comfort zone. And then I love the idea of this snake being, the thing that could break you from the comfort zone. Again, as you said, coming into your space and when you fight it, like that thing still thrives. It still exists with you or without yes. you. It endures despite you. And so you, you kick the drawer, you cut off part of the snake and right. this, again, this, this fantastic sort of break in the norm, this thing that could pull you out of the matrix, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> It, it does it doesn't matter that you tried to hurt it it's going to go and inspire someone else and maybe it'll grow back the the rest of its body as it as it goes on and you know you being frozen like that's almost an ultra poetic side effect of you kicking the thing that could break you out of 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 structure now you're more frozen you not only you know you're you're so stuck in the rut now because right. you turned down your opportunity to break out of the norm right and what i find really interesting is um he says in the email that it's been sticking with him for a couple of days so he's been having the stream multiple times he's getting multiple opportunities <sighs> to follow the snake and again, just like with Russell's dream, instead of uh, taking a head-on collision or a side-swiping collision, right? We have a, we okay. We only have a modicum of control over our <laughs> dreams. I realize that, um, but uh, he's he's still rejecting the snake, and so I'm thinking maybe there are some anxieties in Joey's daily life where it's sort of like there's another path that he's supposed to be taking. He's supposed to break free of his current situation. But like you said, there's that anxiety, there's that storm out there. And um, he, so he, so he rejects mm -hmm. it, but maybe he should go to sleep with a mindset of like, okay, you know what? If I have the snake dream tonight, I'm going to accept the snake. I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm going to journey with it into whatever, yeah. this you know this the dark forest and the like impossibly beautiful mountains or whatever and just see 
what's there for me. Applying that, you know, the thing that I love about dream interpretation is sort of how these things can then be applied to real life. And so think about what is that scary break to structure in your real life? What is your dream snake in real life? And don't cut it in half with a drawer (laughs) and and remain frozen, but, but follow it. And so for Russell, you know, whatever this sort of, uh, this collision, this oncoming collision of your obvious MI5 past, um, <laughs> let that, let that happen and see where it leads you. Uh, so, so for Joey, I think, you know, again, the institution, the structure, the thing that takes you from nine to five, break out of that by looking for the green and red shimmer, uh, wherever that happens to be. Cause I think this would have been different if this was an all black snake or it was a, a it was, viper or a rattlesnake or something well, like that. Well, just menacing yeah. in some way. Sure. And, and I'm sure like even in the dream, you know, he doesn't go into much detail about the snake here other than to talk about the color of it. We don't know exactly how he felt about the snake. But again, I think right. the fact that it is not this more symbolic, uh, frightening thing, it is this very bright and right. shiny thing that it's, it's a combination. I mean, any thrill in your life is a combination of, of fear and excitement. And that's perfectly what the oh, snake represents. Point. So go, wow. go skydiving. <laughs> sure. It, yeah. If that- <laughs> That's what we, that's it. That's the the advice we're giving Joey. Go skydiving, Joey. (laughs) The end. Right now. And let us know how that goes. And we mean in real life, not in your dreams. Yes, do it. Uh, any other thoughts on, any other possible thoughts on, on Joey's dream? If it were not about, uh, chasing after some, some change up in structure. Maybe he just, Maybe he just needs a pet snake. Maybe he just wants a pet snake. Maybe this whole thing is about like his roommate won't let him have a pet snake. And so he has to destroy it, but he doesn't actually want to. And he needs to go to his uh, local pet establishment and adopt a snake in need. Even even like uh, building on that, he needs to open <laughs> a snake salon where <laughs> you take your pet snake and you can because you know like snakes molt so it's no big deal to sort of have an extra layer on the outside of them they could just molt sure. it off so you can go in and get like my shimmer snake and you get like a tie-dye snake <laughs> or whatever you know nails do- nails get their dogs painted was what i was about to say uh <laughs> true do. true that's a fact <laughs> but dogs also get their nails painted point is he could open a snake salon so it's either snake salon or chase your bliss you know and with the snake salon thing he could be chasing his bliss that could, that could be, be his the, bliss that could be the, what breaks him out of uh this pattern so i say you know what yeah skydiving okay so your to-do list is skydiving and then snake salon um and and you know what if you make a snake salon i will get a pet snake of my own to me too. come and maybe I'll, we'll put the miller uh high life logo on the side of my snake that would be pretty incredible <laughs> I think I'll get like the chemical makeup of of, of uh, caffeine. The molecular structure. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, we've solved everyone's problems, clearly. I think everyone is going to have a better life and dream happily ever after because <laughs> of snake salons and MI5 secrets. Perfect. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Lucid. We are so pumped to have this show out. We are, if you haven't guessed by now, the show comes out fortnightly. For those of you who don't know, that means every other week. Uh, Tori, if people are looking to send us dreams, how can they do that? You can send your dreams to us. Uh, you can either send an audio file or an email to uh, dreams at lucid.show or 
Or if you would prefer to do it this way, you can actually visit our website, which is lucid.show, and there is a form if you click on dreams um where our amazing mascot edda will bring your dreams safely to us and so we can interpret it and you can also follow us on twitter at lucid underscore podcast and micah if people want to find you personally where can they do that well if you're looking for me online you can find me (laughs) at pretty much everything at micah sergeant m-i-k-a-h-s-a-r-g-e-n-t what about you, Tori? You can find me at uh, T.S. Folk. That's T-S-F-O-U-L-K on Twitter. Excellent. All right. Well, time to head off to Big Dream City. I'm already halfway there. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.